Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. I've got Trent Mabry. He was a fixture in the Indianapolis comedy scene. And in 2020, he won Indy's Funniest Person. And with that, he started a podcast. Actually, before that, There You Go with Trent Mabry, which is a kind of a comedy advice podcast. Uh, Pretty funny. I like it. In 2021, though, he packed his stuff and moved to New York. And we're going to unpack his comedy career tonight it's Trent Mabry did you catch that I did I like that you you packed up and now we're unpacking let's unpack baby holy cow Trent thank you for being on the show this is this ah, is uh thanks. this is great you still look yeah, 12 so that's, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm New trying York, to hold on to that for a while uh, yeah New York hasn't uh turned you into a grizzled old man so that's <laughs> not that's yet a, not yet that's a big plus so let's talk about your comedy career and how it started because I know you started I, I read an, uh, a print interview that they did after you won that contest I know you started fairly early H- how old were you when you first started doing stand-up oh yeah I'm glad you did research on me that means yeah. a lot <laughs> I even watched your clips oh wow yeah nobody does um <laughs> I was 17 when I first started okay because at the club, you had to be 17. To, that was the only time you could get in. Uh-huh. And, but you, uh, want, you wanted to do it before that, but you had to wait till you were 17. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to do it since I was in middle school. And then I got my license. I was like, all right, now I, because it felt weird to have my mom take me to a comedy club and uh-huh. watch me perform. Uh, so I waited till I got my license and then. Then as soon as I hit 17, I signed up for an open mic at this place called Crackers in uh-huh. Broad Ripple, Indiana. Yeah. yeah I used I to, to go round to the up Vogue. five of my friends. Yeah, oh, when I lived Vogue, in yeah. Indy, I used to go to the Vogue. This was in the 80s, and yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. Never went to the Vogue. I'm not a big like club party guy. Yeah. Well, you should be. You're in New York now. <laughs> I know, yeah. So I have to say, I, I, I want to talk about you starting but in, in the clips i've watched you feel you you look so comfortable up there and you i you command the stage without being like you know like a wild you know mm-hmm. super animated comedian uh you you have enough uh, sense to let people laugh. You got great timing and all that. So were you that comfortable when you started? Um, I didn't really get nervous the first time I did stand up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at like the like my friend recorded my first time and it's horrible, but I did. Yeah, I got laughs the first time. Um, and then the second time I bombed. Uh huh. Um, but I was always kind of. I never, yeah, I never really got like stage fright or nervousness. Um, throughout like my time doing stand up, I got obviously got more comfortable, and I feel like the past like three years, I've kind of just started enjoying like how I'm delivering material and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, were you kind of a I hate to say class clown because that's such an overused term, but were you kind of a funny guy in school too? I was more of like, I was a shy kid were you? when I was in okay. school. But around my like friend group and stuff, I was funny. Okay. But I wasn't like yelling out during class or anything like that, goofing yeah. around. Okay. You seem like an outlier. You seem like, you remind me a little bit of me. You don't seem to. You know, I follow you on social media and stuff like that. You don't seem to be like all caught up in what everybody is into at any particular sure, yeah. time. You, you're just one of those people. You you don't need a whole bunch of people around you. You don't need yeah. to fit in. You, you you just do your own thing and you're happy with that. Do, do I have you pegged right? That's absolutely right. Yeah, I love doing my own thing. I love... Uh... I don't know, I'm an only child. I think that might be something to do with it. Yeah. But I love doing stuff by myself. Never really cared about like <laughs> getting to getting into a group or something like that. That's great. Uh, there's so few of us around because everybody I seems know. to be in. You know, all the comics. You know, there's the the ones that are into wrestling. There's the ones that are into Marvel stuff and comic books. Well, I do DC like wrestling. Stuff. I do like. Wrestling. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> And um, it's all those things are and and you come to it because you want to, not because other people do it. But it, it's all those things that like you, I, I'm just I'm not into a lot of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll rewatch the X-Files before I uh, start watching a whole bunch of Marvel stuff. And I will watch a yeah. Marvel movie like out of the blue. And I don't care what all the all the uh, exposition is and if I didn't watch this movie, then I don't know what's going on in this movie. I don't care. I just want to see mm-hmm. the stuff and be done with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. Just it just seems evident with you. Now you seem like because you know we were talking before we went on air about you having Jeff Altman on. You also seem to be one of those uh, guys that knows about the old school comics and mm-hmm. you, you know them and you study them. Are, are, are there some old school comics that really uh, kind of shaped how you wanted to be a comic? Um, well, I do, I do love like the history of stand up and stuff. Um, I mean, I loved watching Letterman when I was mm-hmm. growing up. So then he would have have like Jeff Altman and Tom Dreesen on and John Witherspoon, Paul Mooney, mm. guys like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I love yeah just the history of what of stand up and comedy in general, really. That's great. But my so favorite what... guys are like Norm, yeah. Alan Quinn, yeah, um, Gilbert. I'm a big Gilbert Gottfried fan. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, his podcast is the best. 
Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the intros. He he reads their whole <laughs> IMDb every time. And then just messes up their name. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you again? Yeah, it's, <laughs> he, he he's really good at that. And your um your style reminds me uh not of Gilbert, but uh more you're a little bit more old school in your style. You're you mm -hmm. know almost um you know you're you're like new heart, but you kind of got like sex jokes in there and stuff too. So <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I love new art too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I try to, yeah, I try to like, I see a lot of guys, especially in New York, since I've been here, a lot of people all kind of sound the same. Like a lot of them are very funny, but they all kind of have the same delivery and same material and stuff. And I've always kind of tried, not, I never had it in my head to like try to be different. That's just what comes naturally naturally mm -hmm. to me i think and there's kind of a midwest meter about the way people speak and terminology and just just the way we go into our act it's just different and and mm -hmm. everybody will you know compare us to letterman but we can't help it because we're from the same area and exactly yeah. it's just it's just the way we talk we say golly and all that kind of stuff yeah. it's just yeah it's just part of it i did a i did a set uh down here in huntsville when i moved down and the it was an open mic and the guy um the guy that was running it said you know i've never heard golly so many times but you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's just it's just part of what we say and yeah. you know golly and ope that's uh, that's that's what we got <laughs> so starting at 17 and doing the mics and stuff you were doing when when was it that you finally felt like okay this is something i want to pursue as a vocation um well, even before I started, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I didn't have like a, I never wanted to be anything else. Like I never uh -huh. wanted to be like a, a, a fireman or whatever. Um, I always wanted to do stand up, So I never really had a, like a backup plan. I never intended on going <laughs> to college or anything uh -huh. like that. Um, so I don't know if I did, if I got on stage the first time and I didn't like it, I think I would have just fallen into pieces because i yeah. had no idea what i wanted to do besides this i'll be staying at home for the rest of my life e exactly <laughs> now you're you're originally from franklin and uh franklin it's a funny little town because a lot of artsy people come out of franklin and there, there's there's a band i follow called brother oh brother and both of those guys are from franklin and oh, yeah. uh the chris who's the uh guitar player and singer he also runs a record company where he presses all this uh exotic vinyl that he oh he i puts, think i've seen that before yeah, yeah he puts liquid filled stuff and he he does led stuff sometimes and just does really crazy stuff with vinyl dan cummins did a album yeah on on his label so uh, on romanus records so or romanus however they pronounce it but yeah it's pretty cool and uh both both those guys uh um came from franklin and they still live in franklin yeah yeah it's a it's a nice area yeah yeah they got a lowe's 
<laughs> yeah, they got a Lowe's, a Walmart, about about five Mexican restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> so, at seventeen, when you're starting and deciding this is what you want to do, what was your what was your way of coming up with material and constantly feeding that writing habit? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, when you're in, yeah, when you're in high school, you're just joking around with your friends. So then you'd have like running bits with your friend group. And then I would try to turn that into something that would work on stage. And then you just like run material by like, like my buddy, Scott, I still run material by him. He's been mm-hmm. my friend since middle school. Um, and then I go through like spurts of where I write a lot and then I won't write anything mm-hmm. for a long time. Just kind of like a writer's block where I'll, I'll try to come up with something and then it, nothing happens. But I, I still like try to sit down and at least come up with a good joke to tweet or something uh-huh. every day. Um, doesn't always work. Yeah. But yeah, you just got to try and sit down and write at least once a week of trying new stuff. Um, here lately, it's been weird doing like open mics and stuff in New York where you're not known. So you kind of feel like, okay, I want to have a good set in front of people. So I don't really want to try out new yeah. stuff. So you bring out the greatest hits. I, yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's, I mean, you have to continue practicing and mm-hmm. every, every time you do it, it gets better. But yeah. if you don't ever try new stuff, then you run out of material. And, and then, especially, especially after you've uh, been heard a few times do, doing that material. So yeah, yeah, I dig it. It's, it's hard for me because being down here, you know, I'm new to the scene and, nobody knows me so mm-hmm. i i bring out the greatest hits and yeah and i might throw in one new thing and and try it out but yeah it's 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 not one of those things yet where i feel comfortable enough to just do all new stuff sure yeah but when as when back in those in indie i would just go up and try a new five minutes whenever i felt like it yeah and it was okay because yeah. you were and you know everybody i talked to this from indie says it's a it's a good scene for comics because everybody's pretty nice to each other mm-hmm. yeah i i like the indie scene a lot um mm. i felt like i i i always wanted to move to new york to new york and i felt like i did everything i wanted to do in indie mm-hmm. and now it's a good time to move yeah one of the things that Altman said when I talked to him, and I don't remember if he said this to you, but he said, if you really want to do it, you got to go to New York or L.A. still. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, not, it's not something that you can get away with not doing. You got you to gotta at least uh, spend some time out there. So mm-hmm. Very rarely. Like, some guys can go viral on the Internet and then build yeah. a career off that. But yeah. Yeah, that happens very rarely. Well, let's talk about that because I was listening to a podcast uh, when I was driving the day that was talking about that. You get 
the TikTokers and the mm -hmm. YouTubers and stuff like that, and they go in, they go on a comedy tour, and yeah. they don't know anything about comedy. Have you worked with anybody like that? No, not no YouTubers or anything like that. Um, I've seen some of their acts just hanging yeah. out at clubs, and some of them are okay, and then you, some of them you can tell like okay this is just a money grab of they don't even really like doing comedy they just know that it's easy money yeah they i mean their notoriety <clears throat> yeah their notoriety is really that carries them for about a minute on stage mm -hmm. and then it kind of falls flat yeah i mean that's what i've seen and and they they haven't gone through the work because to be a comedian you have to do the work and that's a little bit different than shooting a 90 second TikTok. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And then I don't I, like. It's weird though. Like, they'll I'll see guys that have like a million to a million followers, and then I I have no idea who they are. And I'm uh -huh. like, I feel like I should. I'm of the generation that should be into those people. Yeah. But I have no I have no idea like the famous YouTubers or who's big on TikTok. But um, you're. But you're an outlier. We are, we, we talk, yeah. and it just doesn't matter. I mean, there, there's only 24 hours in a day, and you want to spend it doing what you want to do. Exactly. And, yeah. and watching, <laughs> watching all these TikToks and uh, Instagram reels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll I'll give it 10 minutes sometimes, but that's about <laughs> all they get. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and some of it's really good. Some of it's funny. Like Corey Ryan Forrester, he was a guest on the uh, on the podcast, and the video mm -hmm. stuff that he does is great. I've heard the name. Like Brent Duryun is great. I don't really consider yeah. him like a like a YouTube guy. I guess he kind. I guess he is, but um, his stuff's great. Yeah, he did. He actually did a few videos with Corey Ryan Forrester. They're friends. So okay. They, yeah, they did a few together. Uh, it was um, it was during the pandemic, and uh, one of them was playing a reporter, and the other one was playing President's press secretary. So it was uh, it was funny. It was good. Now we talked about writing, but when you have a joke, how fully baked does it have to be? For I said fully baked. <laughs> um, <laughs> And are we? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, maybe one of us is. But the um, um, the joke is put together in, you know, maybe it's 50% baked, maybe it's 100% baked. How, how fully formed does a joke have to be before you'll even try it out? I usually... All my jokes usually come out, I feel like, fully formed. And then I'll do it, I'll do it on stage and maybe like add a couple tags mm -hmm. on stage or think of something on stage and then write it down later. But mm -hmm. everything I do is usually fully written out. Sometimes I'll go on stage with an idea and try to work it out, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I always... Mm -hmm try to to write everything out beforehand okay and do you record your sets i do but i rarely ever actually listen to them oh really yeah yeah 
it's a good it's a good thing i I need to start doing it i think i would get even more out of it but i do like record everything and then i rarely listen to it i'll listen to it every once in a while Mm -hmm. let's talk about indy's funniest person because you won that in 2020 i don't know if you remember it was (laughs) it sounds familiar a long long time ago so I mean, people bitch about comedy contests, but to actually win it, it's usually somebody who is a very good comic. It, it it's mm. never it's never a scrub. It's never somebody who's never done comedy before and isn't funny. Uh, so you know, you can bitch about all you want, you know, different tastes and stuff like that. But if you're universally funny, then you're gonna do well, and you did well. So. What what were the mechanics behind that? How many times did you have to perform? Um, there were three rounds. Um, diff- uh, the first round, I think you did five minutes. Second round was eight minutes. And then the final round was ten. Okay. And did you use any of the former bits to round out your ten minutes? Or did you have all new stuff every time? I think I did maybe one or two of the same jokes from the first uh, round. The the second and final round were done by judges. Okay. So, and then the first round was all audience vote. So mm-hmm. the judges hadn't seen the the first round set. So I think I did a couple jokes, but everything else was all all new material. And was that material stuff that you had worked on for a long time, or did you do it especially for the contest? Well, during that time, there it was like in the middle of the pandemic, so there weren't a lot of open mics and stuff to work on your sets. Um, so I did like, most of it was old stuff, and then... I did a few newer jokes um, on each on each of the shows, just just to like. I feel like that's kind of why I did well, is because I was kind of taking risk um, mm. during my sets, just because there wasn't. That was like my. That was the only times I was getting up because nothing else was going on. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to do new stuff as well as like old stuff, and of course try to win. No, it, felt, it also felt weird to like not talk about the pandemic while it was going on. That was like in the right. thick of it. Yeah, it's just weird to <laughs> just do old material. Yeah, yeah, just pretend it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any jokes that came out of that that just became like some of your A jokes from the pandemic? Uh, well, out of the contest specifically. Um. Not, I did like most of the stuff that I was doing was about like uh, coronavirus and stuff, which is I, it's, some of it still works, but a lot of people are tired of hearing about it. Um, mm. But no, nah, I think like a lot of like the stuff that works well, I was already doing. And then I have some new stuff that it's been working well, but I didn't do it during the during the contest. Mm. Did you? write um the the corona the pandemic specific stuff and 
almost wish that it was funny enough, almost wish that the pandemic just kept going on so that you could still do it. Without Um, people dying, of course. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, without people dying, I I wish everything was still relevant. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't write a whole lot of of uh, coronavirus stuff, but one you know I don't know how you felt during the pandemic, but I was like, I I had no desire to write, and mm-hmm. I had to make myself write. So I was just doing like I was looking at USA Today and looking at their you know stupid stories, looking looking at the weird news and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. just making just making stupid jokes about it and which is totally off of the way I, you know, mine's more, you know, story stuff and just being, you know, a dopey older guy on stage and and writing that stuff. It was, it was a good exercise because then it's, it's good to know that you can still write stuff that some, some of it was not very funny and some, some of it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of felt the same way about writing stand-up material, but I wrote like a short story during the lockdown and mm-hmm. um, I made a couple sketches and stuff, um, which I never did before mm-hmm. everything shut down. I was just writing stand-up material. So I, I wrote, I kind of enjoyed it in that I my job shut down, so I was just bored at home. Uh-huh. So I enjoyed that aspect of it, of like having time to, write other try to write other avenues of comedy Mm -hmm. do you have aspirations to get into writing or doing other things like screenplays and stuff like that other than Uh, yeah i'd I'd love to write for a late night show or write a sitcom or something like that Mm -hmm. it's amazing how many people just kind of backed into that type of job without even knowing it was coming up Mm mm-hmm yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm well, I've really... had like a, some Letterman guys, Letterman writers on my podcast, uh-huh. and yeah, it's just they go to college and then they some guy remembers them and then asks them to sit, submit material they're writing for Letterman the next day. It's yeah, it's just weird. You, you just kind of luck into jobs like that. Obviously, you have to be talented, but yeah, you never know when it's gonna come. Yeah. So was winning the contest, the Indies, Indies Funniest Person, was that was that like a source of validation to you to know that you're on the right track? Oh, definitely. Um, I told myself if I won that I would move to New York. That's what I was going to ask. Was that the yeah. kind of the catalyst that yeah. made, made it feel like it was the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Now, as far as the New York scene is versus the indie scene, you've got more opportunity, of course, because there's lots of mics. There's a lot, lots of different ways to get on stage. How are you doing that in New York? What's you know, what, what type of a plan do you have as far as getting on stage and stuff like that? Well, the scene here is obviously it's very different. Um, but the open mics here, um, it's all comics. There's never really an audience, which mm-hmm. is a big difference from Indiana. Yeah. Um, where you would obviously you would have audience. And the reason for that is 
you can go see a professional comedy show any night you want in New York at any time, basically. Yeah. yeah. So why would you go see a bunch <laughs> of open micers? Right. Um, so that's definitely been like a weird transition to make because comics will just sit in silence when you're on stage. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no way of knowing. Like, I mean, you'll get a laugh sometimes, but it's not not normally what an audience might laugh at uh-huh. um so that's been interesting but what i've been figuring out and a lot of people have told me that when i moved here is like you get more from just going to shows and hanging out with the other comics as opposed to doing mics mm. um and that's how i've been getting booked a lot here is just going to shows and meeting other people and then they'll throw me up maybe that night or maybe the next week or you just gotta you gotta ask to be on shows which is something i'm not great at um but in indiana you would go to the open mic there was a like there's more of a structure you go to the open mic you do well and then the manager of the club would ask you to do a weekend Mm. well that that doesn't really happen here and like the comics are all running the open mics. There's hardly ever somebody in charge of the club or the bar watching the show. Mm-hmm. So the open mics, you obviously have to do them. You have to keep uh, performing. You have to stay fresh on stage. Um, and it's good to meet other comics. But you don't really get booked from the open mics. It's all about meeting other people. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely been a... Um, something I have to work on here. Are you running into a lot of other transplants from different places as you go to these mics or a lot of folks flocking back to New York? There, yeah, it does seem to be like a lot of new comics that moved here around the same time I did. Um, all trying to figure it out at the same time. But I was lucky enough to know people that moved here um, like years before me and I've worked oh. with guys that are into the, in the clubs and stuff here. So I feel like I have a good in with some people. Like I knew kind of what to expect when I got mm. here. I couldn't imagine just moving here um, like a year into comedy, not knowing anybody really and yeah. trying to figure that out or, or right. starting here. Starting here would be wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> And a lot of people do. Yeah, um, so as far as the networking is concerned, so, you know, just getting to know people and asking to be on shows and stuff like that is, does that, does that feel like you've been, you've been there a few months now. Does that feel mm-hmm. like that is starting to become fruitful enough that you're going to, you think it's going to turn into maybe like regular spots or anything like that yet? Um, I think compared to a lot of people that have been here for, I've been here coming up on four months, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I've been getting more shows than a lot of people that have been here for the same time period that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think, Hanging out, hanging out at shows definitely has helped me get more stage time. Um, 
I had an audition at this place called Broadway Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got like a residency, a month long residency. So I get like four shows um, next month. And then if they like me after those four shows, I should get passed at the mm-hmm. club, which means I can get booked there like once a week or they do shows every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that'll do well. Um, but I, I assume on those shows, you'll meet other comics that are, they'll see you and hopefully you'll get shows out of that. It's all, it kind of is, um, like a domino effect. Like you'll meet Mm -hmm. one guy and then he'll say, okay, I run this show, come out, hang out. And then you go to that show and he might put you on. And then you meet six other comics, maybe three of those people run shows. And then you have the next week, you see what shows they're running. You go to those shows and it's just, you meet people like that. And then I think I've been getting shows, um, like that so yeah, you just gotta mm-hmm. keep doing it i guess so do you think that part of the reason that you're doing well is the type of comedy you do because you're you're i mean you're not angry you're there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of angry comics out there and sure. you're you're not you're not political you're i mean you're you're really just kind of I mean, you're almost like all the comics I saw in the 80s, except for um, you've, you're modern, you know, you're, and, 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 and I'm saying that as a compliment. I mean, because, I mean, there, I mean, there's enough, as far as I'm concerned, I love political comedians. I love people who are edgy and I, I, mm-hmm. I love all that kind of stuff, but I almost feel like there's enough and, and the fact that you know people like nate forgetsy and Mm -hmm. jim gaffigan and stuff like that that i mean they come out with stuff that just about anybody can listen to and they're rising to the top whereas some of the uh more angry ones are not doing as well yeah um maybe maybe um i like all that stuff too um like I, I love Sam Kennison and guys like that. Yeah, um, Lewis Black's one of my favorites. Yeah, it, it yeah. just. It, but sometimes it just feel like, feels like there's enough. And sometimes when sure. I watch comedy, I just want to see like what you do. Just it's just funny. It's not teaching me a lesson or yeah. uh, uh, trying to change my mind on stuff. It's just sure. funny, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just try to do what comes naturally to me like there's a lot of especially younger guys where they'll think okay i need to do i need to deliver a joke this way i need to be this guy where they try to shape an identity or that's maybe kind of fake whereas Mm -hmm. i think i kind of realize this because i am such a comedy nerd and i've read like every book ever about Mm -hmm. comedy written by comedians and stuff I felt like I kind of realized that you just have to be your, try to be yourself as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew that going in to stand up. Mm-hmm. So what if you got a show? What if, what, what if somebody gave you a TV show? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
you just seem like one of those people that that could happen to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I always wanted my guy was Letterman. I always wanted to yeah. be a late night host. Yeah. 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 So that I would love to do that. Um, I would do a sitcom. I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm a great actor. Um, but I would love to like write. I have ideas for sitcoms and stuff. I'd love to be a writer. Uh-huh. Um, but my goal, I loved like Norm on Weekend Update. So my goal when I first started was to get on SNL. But now mm. I kind of don't. I don't care about <laughs> SNL really. <laughs> but I would love to host a late night show. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could be the next Letterman. I appreciate that. Yeah, and you still have, you still look twelve even when you're fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> gray hair. Now you came, yeah, you came about the um, the podcast a little while back. Can you tell me what that's all about? Yeah, so I started the podcast. Oh, that was another thing I did during the pandemic. I started a podcast. Um, it started out just me, um, and I would get emails at the people for people asking for advice, and then I would mm. give my advice on those topics. And then I kind of got tired of doing it by myself. Um, so then I started having like comics on, and we'd get emails asking like uh, what our opinion on like they have a problem. Then we'd give our opinion on that, and then. Every once in a while, I'll interview, like, I had Jeff Altman on or Tom Dreesen, or I've had some Letterman writers on, and I'll just have, like, regular interviews with those guys. But, mm. yeah, for the the majority of the podcast is people email me at advicefromtrent at gmail.com, <laughs> and then we read the email, and I have another comic on, and we talk about it, give them advice. Yeah, yeah really, really bad advice. It's but, all, yeah. yeah, it's all... <laughs> <laughs> it's all bad advice. Well, for comics, if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't do this. Well, and some of their problems are really bad, too. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> there is no good answer. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see a lot of different people in the comedy scene, and I'm sure in New York it's like 10 times of what it was in indie. You you just see all these, all, all these different personalities that... Uh, do, do you feel like you run into people that you just know are going to be great and you run into people that you just know are going to crash and burn? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you can tell uh, pretty early on, like when in meeting somebody, if they're going to be good or not. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there's like, I've seen a lot of really good comics and a lot of, like really good newer comics that are maybe a year or two in that you mm-hmm. can tell like okay this guy if he or girl if he if, if they keep at it they can really be something and they're just starting and then you see mm-hmm. a lot of like guys that have been doing it a long time that are great but there are i've seen a lot of bad comics as well right just hanging out do you feel like the the way things are with you know social media the internet and the way you can connect with people and and bounce stuff off people. Do you feel like that you've got some shortcuts that some of the comedians, like before the internet age, uh, 
didn't have. Yeah, but I also think it's kind of a double-edged sword in that they didn't have to, like, build a brand, you know? Mm-hmm. They didn't have to yeah. promote themselves. Um, you could make a living as a feature back, you yeah. know? Now you barely get by. You have to book your own hotels and stuff. But in the right. in the heyday, you could you could just drive. You could work the road, doing twenty thirty minutes, and make a. That's how you made your living, right? Which is almost impossible now. Yeah. So, I think social media helps you develop a fan base, um, but it's a lot more work than people realize i think Mm -hmm. now that brings me back to one of my favorite books is uh steve martin's book uh yeah 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 yeah. and one of the things he says in it is you have to be undeniably funny and i don't know that today that being undeniably funny is enough sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to be undeniably funny and promote the hell out of yourself absolutely um yeah there's like there's people that that are undeniably funny that don't have a social media following or don't even try to have a social media following um and they are not they're not gonna get anything they they might get something just based on luck but Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, you definitely need a following. You definitely need, if you want to really make it now, you have to do stuff. You like, you have to have your own podcast, or you have to, you have to be doing something yourself. You can't rely on the industry like you could in the old days. Do you feel like, as far as social media goes, do you think you can lean on like one or two different? outlets that you feel like you're getting the most play off of and then leave the rest alone i think so i hope so um Mm -hmm. yeah like i have no desire to really get on tiktok and make videos and stuff like that um i try to just do twitter and then instagram here lately i've been posting like some stand-up clips on instagram that have been doing pretty well Oh, good. Um, but yeah, those are my two. And then um, I use it to promote the, the podcast and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also like weird now. Like when social media and like Twitter and Instagram first came out, like it was all, they didn't have the algorithm. It was all just in I the know, order of yeah. how you posted it. Yeah. Now it's all gets buried because they can tell when you're trying to promote something. Yeah. And yeah. it's really, it, that sucks so bad because yeah. I, I forget about people because I haven't hey, yeah, seen yeah. them and I'm like, exactly. where did they go? And they're still doing things. It's just yeah. that they're not on my list anymore. And mm-hmm. it's just, they only give you so many on your list that are going to show up. And yeah. you, so you have to go out and like their posts and stuff like that. So they'll get on the list and that's going to shove somebody else off the list. And yeah, it, it's just all shit. I, yeah. it really <laughs> bugs me, but it's, it, you know, it should, should be more democratic. You just put it all out there and mm-hmm. you see what you want to see and you just don't look at what you don't want to look at. 
Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that um, the um, New York scene is something that um, do you do you feel like it's going to be something that puts you where you want to be? I yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, because I've been like my goal like moving here was to get into the clubs i like and i feel like some of that's far off like obviously it would be a dream to get into the cellar Mm -hmm. um and places like that um but i've always wanted to be like a new york club comic i never really had any desire to like be a midwest headliner working doing bar shows and stuff like that i Uh never never like I, I respect that, and I um, like a lot of the guys that do that. Um, but I never like wanted to drive eight hours to make five hundred bucks at a, some bar. You know? Yeah. I'd like. It was always like my envision for my life was like bouncing around the the New York clubs, like trying to do like seven spots a night. You know. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that was always look look more fun to me. Yeah, that and I I can I can dig that. If I was your age, I'd probably feel the same. Mm-hmm. What you um, I was I was thinking about work ethic and stuff like that. How many hours a week would you say you put into your comedy career? Hmm. Well, here lately, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Just by hanging out at shows, I count that. It may mm-hmm. not, yeah. It doesn't seem like work, but that's that's how you're getting booked at other places. Mm-hmm. So lately, I've been trying to go at every night around. So that would start around like seven, and then I won't get home till midnight, one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be like hanging out at a show, then you'll meet some guy. They have a show that they're going to. Um, and then you hang out at that show. You meet somebody else. And then you're not counting, like, writing during the day and going to open mics and stuff. So a lot of, a lot of time. But yeah. in Indiana, I would get up maybe three, two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. I'd still write, but it was less – I was putting less – effort into it just because I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the smaller scenes, you, you don't, I think you said it, you don't need to network as much. You, mm-hmm. if, if you're funny, you just get past and you can do some stuff. Yeah. And so you can go to an open mic and if you're the fourth one up, you can do your five, 10 minutes or whatever they're giving you and just go home. Yeah. And and you can't get away with that in New York. It sounds like. No, you can't. Well, it, yeah, there. That is something like you could at India in Indiana. You go to the open mic, and then you hang out afterwards. If you leave early, it's kind of frowned upon. But yeah. in New York, everybody just leaves as soon as they because they got five other places they got to go that yeah. they all have. So that's yeah. Um, 
It's definitely yeah, I, I but I enjoy it. I like bouncing around, going to different spots, and trying out uh-huh. the same jokes. That's some, one thing about comedy is you can do the same jokes, but a block away, it'll get a completely different reaction than yeah. The yeah, that's you really just did cool. it Five minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Um, thinking about this is something I ask just about everybody. What what's the best and worst advice you got uh, from other comedians? The best advice I got was um, from the owner of Morty's Comedy Club. Um, he told me because I was getting like I hosted like six months into doing stand up. And then he told like, he told me, you're going to have like times where you feel like you're not getting anything and you're not like improving. You're not getting booked more. Don't, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. That happens to everybody. Just keep doing what you're doing. And then you'll see that it's a, it's a snowball effect. You'll mm-hmm. get this thing that'll lead to this thing. And then you may not get anything for another year. Mm-hmm. But then you just got to keep keep at it. That would be mm-hmm. the best advice I've gotten. Is like it's all about patience. Like mm-hmm. you'll see guys that are that'll that'll uh, get stuff, and you'll be like, oh, well, you'll get jealous, and you'll be like, ah, this guy's not that funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But eventually, that that all weeds itself out. Like it all yeah leads to you know something. Yeah. Concentrate um, on yourself, not the people around you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the worst advice. I would say now some people may disagree with this. I would say like I've had people tell me to like listen to the audience, like try to like write what they or like not write what they like, but listen to the audience, and if they don't like something, cut it out of the mm-hmm. of your act. Which I guess I I get I understand like that. I agree with that to an extent. But if you want to talk about something and you think it's funny, I don't think you should really. And the it doesn't work that night. I don't think you should listen to the audience. Like a lot of people put too much on the audience. Like. If it doesn't work, but you like doing it, then keep mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, because like, I don't know, like guys that you look up to are writing what they think is funny, and then they're telling the audience what's funny. You know, right, right. You can't like write to what the audience wants, because that's I think that's why a lot of stand up now isn't that great. Because they're trying to play to the audience, as opposed uh-huh. to telling them what they think is funny. Right, and it, it's funny you say that because I've watched quite a few, like Netflix specials and Amazon and mm-hmm. Comedy Central and stuff like that. And some of it, I think you're right. It's not, it's not great. Yeah. And and some of it, you know, starts out really great, and then the middle is just dead and then, sure. uh, maybe the end is okay but mm-hmm. yeah i've i've seen you know a- and when you perform it's really hard to 
just enjoy a comedy special because you're yeah. trying to pick apart what's good and what's bad and the really good comics. And when I was watching your clips, it was, it was something that, uh, that happened with me that I was just able to enjoy it instead of mm -hmm. try to pick apart. I mean, I did notice things. I did notice that you're very, um, patient. You're very, you know, you, you, you know that there's going to be a laugh and you know that they're going to get something else that you said right before the punchline and that's going to compound and the laugh's going to keep growing and mm -hmm. and you just know that and you're very good at that and i so i noticed that but i was able to just enjoy what you said and, oh thank uh, you that's right uh you know the the threesome joke with uh with with your girlfriend and stuff like that <laughs> that's just you know it's just it's just good it's funny and it's not it, it, it it's not crass it's not you know, you, you don't have to get into all of the, um, explicit stuff. You can just, you, you can dance around it and, and, and you, you know, it's, it's still R rated, but it's not, it's not something that's going to just totally offend everybody in the audience. Yeah. Well, thank you. Or shock them. So sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I like that. I like, I like when people are funny without shocking. Um, what do you know now that you wish you would have known when you first started? Uh, oh, yeah, that's my that's my question. <laughs> um, it was mine first. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good that's a good question. Um, <laughs> now that is what I always end with. Uh, yeah, I, I do the it. same thing. So we're we're question. copying each other. Yeah, we're great minds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um Let's see. I would say to be patient. Mm. Like, and I, I did realize this early on, but I see a lot of comics that are starting out where they, they're funny and um, they always do well but they're kind of in a rush to skip the steps. Like they'll, they mm. want to be in a rush to be a feature or they want a headline before they're ready. Um, so yeah, I would say like, be patient. Don't be in a rush to be a shitty feature, you know? Yeah. Mm. Take your time, know how much material you have that actually works. And then, like don't yeah don't rush it'll be you'll get there you know uh -huh. and that i mean that shows through because you're patient when you're on stage so mm -hmm. well i learned that yeah yourself. i feel like i just learned that within the past three or four years uh-huh yeah yeah it took me a uh, while to to figure out like how i want to deliver material uh-huh and if somebody came up to you, some 17-year-old kid came up to you and said, hey, I really like your comedy and I want to be a comic, what would you tell them to do, the first thing they should do? Just sign up for an open mic. Get up on stage. Mm -hmm. it's, all, it's all really you can do. Obviously, you yeah. got to write, but if you, you can write all day, but you got to get up on stage and perform it at some point. Yeah, yeah. 
I dig that. Um, so where can people find you on the socials? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Trent Mabry and on Instagram, Trent underscore Mabry. And the podcast is called There You Go with Trent Mabry. And it's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a really good podcast. I, I enjoyed that since I listened to the first one. So, yeah, oh, it's, a, thank it's a good you. podcast. Yeah, I like it. And um, I really appreciate you being on the show. It's uh, it's really neat that, um, you know, I, I know you went out there with uh, Joe Bates, Joe Bates, Joe Bates. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm glad you got a friend there and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, it's really neat that you're chasing your dreams. And I think things are going to happen for you. I, ah, thanks. Yeah, I, I I think you're a good one. So I think I think things are going to happen, and hopefully you remember the old man uh, that interviewed you way back when. Of course. <laughs> thanks well, for thanks for being me. on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun.